Numbers 31. We do all the way through verse 54 today. Let's, let's pray and then we will dig in. Numbers chapter 31. Let's pray together. God, we thank you for your love to us. We thank you for your word. We pray that you would help us as we look into uh, a, um, a, pretty, a pretty brutal, a pretty harsh story in this chapter. Uh, we pray that you would teach us and that you would, you would grow us through time in your word. And we'll thank you for it in Christ's name. Amen. Alright, so if you, if you want to help someone, and I've had, I've had a lot of people help me in my life, and I've tried to help other people as well. If you want to help them, and you, there's something you've got to say to them, um, there's, a, there's a truth you want to communicate to them, um, you, you can tell that by the way that they're struggling, there's something that they need to believe that they're not believing right now. They need to believe this certain truth. And so you can, you, you can communicate that in a couple of different ways, right? Um, one, you, you, could, you could come alongside them with, with comforting words, with encouraging words. You can listen to them. You can spend a lot of time sort of hearing their story um, and, and, and figuring out just where they are and how they're processing things. Uh, and then you can, you know, you be, be careful with, with kind advice and with encouragement, with, with insight, right? So that's a, that's a slower, kinder method. Or you could just start the conversation and get right to the point. You know, just say, I don't know how to tell you this, uh, but here's what you need to hear. So I'm just going to... I'm just going to say it, because you need to hear it, you need to believe it, your thinking is all messed up, here's what you have to understand, and so we're just going to get into it, I'm just going to say it. So that's that's the cold, hard truth method, right? You have the friendly, kind, encouragement kind of way, which a lot of times that's the best way to go about it, and then you have the other kind where, hey, here's where you're wrong, here's what you need to believe. And, and Scripture actually, in, in its own way, has both kinds of communication styles. There are a lot of verses in the Bible, a lot of passages in the Bible, that it's just like they're coming alongside of us and they're encouraging us and they're comforting us and, and they're, 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 they're reminding us that, that God's grace is good for us his mercies are new to us every day, no matter what's happening. And so it's just this, it's this kind, patient encouragement. And you can even you can kind of sense the tone of it as you read those passages. And then there are other chapters in Scripture that just come at you with the cold, hard truth. Our chapter today just presents the brutal, hard Truth that God wants us to hear. God wants us to to hear His truth, and and He brings it to us in in different ways. The the Bible is a very diverse book. Today, let's humble ourselves under the Word of God. It's a difficult chapel, chapter to 
to wrestle with, but it's necessary. It's important. What we have to believe about the Bible, I've been thinking about this a lot this week, is, is, is there's, there's two ways to look at the um, sufficiency of Scripture. There's the nice way to look at it, which says basically everything you need is in the Bible. Everything you need to hear is in the Bible, right? All the truth that you need is in the Bible. That's the nice way of saying it. The other way to say it is to say, if, you, if, if, if it's in the Bible, then you need it. If, you, if, it's, if it's in the Bible, then it's necessary. It is true that everything in the Bible, or that, that everything we need is in the Bible, but it's also true that everything is in the Bible we need. So what's the difference between those two? Well, the difference between those two is you can't leave out Numbers 31. If Numbers 31 is in the Bible between 30 and 32, which where it should be mathematically, then we need it. If it's in the Word of God, then we need it. We need to hear it, we need to read it, we need to wrestle with it. If it's in there, then it's necessary for us. So we're going to look at this cold, hard truth in God's Word. We're going to look at Numbers chapter 31. Alright, so let's, let's just start working our way through this chapter. Numbers chapter 31, beginning in verse 1, The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Avenge the people of Israel on the Midianites. Afterward, you shall be gathered to your people. So Moses spoke to the people, saying, Arm men from among you for the war, that they may go against Midian to execute the Lord's vengeance on Midian. You shall send a thousand from each of the tribes of Israel to the war. So there were provided, out of the thousands of Israel, a thousand from each tribe, twelve thousand armed for war. And Moses sent them to the war, a thousand from each tribe, together with Phinehas, the son of Eleazar the priest, with the vessels of the sanctuary, which is probably the Ark of the Covenant, and the trumpets for the alarm in his hand. The trumpets were there to, to signify and call upon God to help them. They warred against, verse 7, they warred against Midian as the Lord commanded Moses and killed every male. They killed the kings of Midian with the rest of their slain, Evi, Recham, Zur, Hur, and Reba, the five kings of Midian. And they also killed Balaam, the son of Beor, with the sword. And the people of Israel took captive the women of Midian, and their little ones. And they took as plunder all their cattle, their flocks, and all their goods, all their cities and the places where they lived, and all their encampments they burned with fire, and took all the spoil and all the plunder, both of man and of beast. Then they brought the captives and the plunder and the spoil to Moses and to Eleazar the priest and to the congregation of the people of Israel at at the camp uh, on the plains of Moab by the Jordan at Jericho. Moses and Eleazar, the priest, in verse 13, and all the chiefs of the congregation went to meet them outside the camp. And Moses was angry with the officers of the army, the commander of thousands and commanders of hundreds who had come from service in the war. Moses said to them, Have you let all the women live? Behold, these, on Balaam's advice, 
caused the people of Israel to act treacherously against the Lord in the incident at Peor. And so the plague came among the congregation of the Lord. Now therefore, kill every male among the little ones and kill every woman who has, who has known man by lying with him. But all the young girls who have not known man by lying with him, keep alive for yourselves. Alright, so what we're looking at in this passage is, is holy war. There, if, you, if, you, if you accept biblical wisdom, right? If you're, if you're a Bible person, then you could, you could read through the Bible and, and you could see that there are two kinds of war that are acceptable. There are two kinds of war that are acceptable. One is what we would call a just war, right? Um, a, a, a just war is when human leadership decides that they must go to war in order to protect their people. Uh, it, it, so they have, they have good cause, they have good reason to go to war. When a human government decides that we have to, this is, this is our only good course of action, because war is awful, and we understand that. And to think about it is, is just heartbreaking. We understand that, but sometimes it is necessary. So sometimes human government has to decide that, yes, we have to go to war. So that's just war. But what we're looking at here is, is holy war. This is the only other kind of war that the Bible allows for, and it's a holy war. Now, we have to be very careful because there are people today in, in, in our world that would, that would say what they're doing is holy war. It's, it's not. Holy war. We know a war is a holy war because it is commanded by God. And we see this here in chapter 31. God has decided to execute judgment upon the Midianites. So this particular branch of Midianites has been wicked and idolatrous for hundreds of years before this. And most recently, they had attempted to turn the Israelites away from God, to to seduce them, literally seduce them, to worship the false gods of the Midianites. The the Midianites sent their women in to the Israelite men and tempted them um, into... um, Ritual idol worship. They, 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 they tried to seduce them into that, to entice them with physical intimacy, physical pleasure. And it worked. If you remember a few chapters ago, the Israelite men turned to adultery, like physical adultery, but they also turned to idolatry. They were treacherous before the Lord. They betrayed their wives and their families, but they betrayed their God as well. They, they, they went after and worshipped False gods. And if you remember, God's anger came down upon His people. He sent a plague among His people. So, so, so God is not just judging the Midianites for this. God judged His own people as well. Thousands of them died. And we see here in chapter 31 that that terrible act by the Midianites. It was the final straw. God is a patient God, but His patience with the Midianites had finally run out. And so He executed terrible judgment against them. And that's what we're seeing in this passage. I want us to remember, I want us to keep a hold of this this morning, 
that, that everything that's in the Bible is necessary for us. Everything in the Bible is necessary for us. I, I was thinking about this this morning. I, I didn't hear this chapter. I didn't read this chapter. I didn't have this chapter taught to me when I was in elementary school or middle school. I, I learned this chapter. I, I learned about holy war um, after I was in college is when I really started to think about it. Now, the, the thing about this is that I learned about this in the context, in a very safe context for me. I didn't, I didn't learn about holy war from a bunch of people who were trying to disprove the goodness of God. I didn't hear about Numbers 31 from, from atheists or agnostics or people who wanted to, to convince me that Christianity was garbage. This is why I'm going to talk to my children about Numbers 31 right now. I want my kids to learn about holy war from me. From me. They're going to have a lot of questions about why God did this. I want them to ask me those questions. Not that I'm going to have all the good answers, but I want them to get introduced to hard truths in the Bible in a safe place. Does that make sense? And so if you're sitting there wondering, why in the world is Steve talking about this on a Sunday morning? Well, A, this is my A finger, I guess. A, um, it's because it's what's next. But B, I want, to hear, I want your kids to hear this from me. I want, them to, I want them to go home and talk to you about it. I don't want them to hear it from some, from some professor in some college somewhere trying to tell them why they're an idiot for, for, for loving the Bible. Why they're an idiot for loving God. Let's wrestle through this now. So anyhow, what we see here is the fierce, holy anger of God towards sin. That's what we see in this passage. And so, and so if you work your way through the story, it, it, it sort of starts here in Numbers 31. The story of God's holy war against the Canaanites. There's only, there's only two holy wars. Right? There's this one. There's, there's this one. This, this one that starts here in Numbers 31. And it's gonna go through Deuteronomy and go through Joshua. It's gonna be God's war against the Canaanites. It's His judgment upon the Canaanites. And we get the, the beginnings of it here. The first, the, the first rounds of battle here. God is waging war against the Canaanites. And in this case, what it means, and we saw that clearly, is that all of the people of the Midianites, no matter what age they were, no matter what gender they were, they were all going to be put to death except for the young virgin girls. They're the only ones who are allowed to live. Everyone else, everyone else is destroyed. Everyone else is killed. God is do you understand what God is doing here? He's putting an end to this branch of Midianites. He's, he's putting an end to them. They're going to be wiped off the face of the earth. 
They, they, have, they have sinned and they have flaunted their sin and they have attacked God's people and they have done it for hundreds of years and God has finally said, Enough! It's over! You're done! Now we do have to mention, I have to mention this really quickly here, there's a, trouble, there's a lot of troubling verses here, but there's, there's, a, there's a verse that may stand out to us as being more troubling than others. Verse 18 says, But all the young girls who have not known man by lying with him, keep alive for yourselves. And so God, it depended on, it depended on, on um, if the Canaanites that they were, or the war that they were waging, if the war that they were waging was far away from the land of Canaan, um, then God would allow for prisoners of war. He didn't have them just destroy everybody. And, and so what we have here is sort of a modified rule on that. God is allowing the, the young girls to be kept as prisoners of war. And there are people who will say, well, this means that they're going to, that these soldiers are going to, like, um, assault them, uh, uh, um, attack them. I'm, I'm being careful with my words here. That the, that the soldiers can just take these young girls for their own and do what they want with them. The, the book of Deuteronomy um, says no to that. This is, that wouldn't be allowable. In, in that culture, other armies would do that sort of thing. They would take the women and, and the girls and they would take them as plunders and, a plunder and they, would take the, and, they would, and they would see them as spoils of war, as their own possession, and they would take them and do what they want with them. The, the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 20, it makes it very clear, no, if you want, if you want a, a woman who is a prisoner of war, then you have to go through the same, like, the, the, all of the same stuff that you would do to marry anyone else. You have to, you have to go through the, a very, the very, like, proper way of marrying her. And you cannot treat her as a slave. And so it's, it's, so the Israelite, like, soldier culture in this way was very different than the armies around them. But you say all that, and this is still a troubling chapter, isn't it? It's still a troubling story. And there's a lot of just death and, and bloodshed. And there's so much that if you keep reading, you see the, the Israeli soldiers had to purify themselves before they could even go back into the camp of the Lord. We've seen in the book of Numbers how, how touching a dead body makes you ceremonially unclean, ritually unclean. This is a constant reminder that death didn't belong in the presence of God. So they had to go through the, the purification process. Verse 19, In camp outside the camp seven days, whoever of you has killed any person and whoever has touched any slain, purify themselves and, and your captives on the third day and on the seventh day. You shall purify every garment, every article of skin, all work of goat's hair and every article of wood. Then Eliezer the priest said to the men in the army who had gone to battle, this is the statute of the law the Lord has commanded Moses. Only the gold, the silver, the bronze, the iron, the tin, and the lead, everything that can stand the fire, you shall pass through the fire, and it shall be clean. Nevertheless, it shall also be purified with the water for impurity. And whatever cannot stand the fire, you shall pass through the water. You must wash your clothes on the seventh day, and you shall be clean. And afterward, you may come into the camp. They had to purify everything that, that was part of this battle. And it doesn't mean that the battle wasn't sanctioned by God. It absolutely was sanctioned by God. All of it was. This was God's judgment on the Midianites, but it was still a, a stain before Him, whether He commanded it or not. 
This is a lot of death. There's a lot of death. Verse, verse 25, as we pick back up in verse 25, we get a, 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 a picture of just how huge a victory this was. And, and because it was such a great victory, we see also just how much judgment this was on the people of Midian. Verse 25, the, the, the narrator here, the, the storyteller, is going to go into detail with just how much spoil and plunder taken. Verse 25, the Lord said to Moses, take the count of the plunder that was taken, both of man and of beast, you and Eliezer the priest, and the heads of the father's houses of the congregation, and divide the plunder into two parts between the warriors who went out to battle and all the congregation, and levy for the Lord a tribute from the men of war who went out to battle, one out of five hundred of the people and of the oxen and of the donkeys and of the flocks. Take it from their half and give it to Eliezer, the priest, as a contribution to the Lord. And from the people of Israel's half, you shall take one drawn out of every fifty of the people of the oxen, of the donkeys, and of the flocks of all the cattle, and give them to the Levites who keep guard over the tabernacle of the Lord. And, and Moses and Eliezer, the priest, did as the Lord commanded Moses. Now the plunder remaining of the spoil that the army took was 675,000 sheep. 72,000 cattle, 61,000 donkeys, and 32,000 persons in all, women who had, not been, who had not known man by lying with him. And the half of the portion of those who had gone out in the army numbered 337,500 sheep. And the Lord's tribute of sheep was 675. The cattle were 36,000, of which the Lord's tribute was 72. The donkeys were 30,500, of which the Lord's tribute was 61. The persons were 16,000, of which the Lord's tribute was 32 persons. So, so those persons would go and they would serve at the tabernacle. They would serve the Levites at the tabernacle. And Moses gave the tribute, which was the contribution for the Lord, to Eliezer the priest, as the Lord commanded Moses. From the people of Israel's half, which Moses separated from that of the men who had served in the army, now the congregation's half was 337,500 sheep, 36,000 cattle, 30,500 donkeys, and 16,000 persons. From From the people of Israel's half, Moses took one of every fifty, both of persons and of beasts, and gave them to the Levites who kept guard over the tabernacle of the Lord as the Lord commanded Moses. This is, this is huge. You can tell by just the, the amount of, of, of animals here. This is, I mean, the, 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 the Midianite nation was, was massive. And, and remember that on God's command, the the people of Israel only sent in a thousand per tribe. They only sent in 12,000 men. And then look at this. Look at this. Read, read verse 48. Continue on here. The, then the officers who were over the thousands of the army, the commanders of thousands and the commanders of hundreds, came near to Moses and said to Moses, Your servants have counted the men of war who are under our command, and there is not a man missing from us. Nobody died. None of the 12,000 died. And, and the, 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 the commanders realized this is God's doing, right? And then they, they, and this would have been very unheard of, uh, soldier culture in the ancient Near East. This would have been very unheard of among the rest of the, 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 the rest of the surrounding nations. Verse 50, and we have brought the Lord's offering 
what each man found, articles of gold, armlets and bracelets, signet rings, earrings and beads to make atonement for ourselves before the Lord. We're, we're going to give this as an offering to God. And Moses and Eliezer, the priests, received them from the gold, all crafted articles, and all the gold. Of the con- See, usually the, the soldiers would have kept this as spoils of war. They might have given a little bit to their God. You know, they might have said, here's a, you know, whatever, we'll, we'll flip him a coin or something. They, 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 these soldiers gave everything to God. Verse 52, And all the gold of the contribution that they presented to the Lord from the commanders of thousands, the commanders of hundreds, was 16,750 shekels. The men in the army had each taken plunder for himself. And and Moses and Eliezer, the priest, received the gold from the commanders of thousands and of hundreds and brought it in the tent of meeting as a memorial for the people of Israel before the Lord. What's happening here is God is getting all of the credits. These soldiers are realizing This has not been a human war. This has been a holy war. This is God executing vengeance, executing judgment on the Midianites. Now I've said a couple of times that since this is in the Bible, we need to hear it. And so then that, why do we need to hear this? Why do we need to hear this? There are probably dozens of answers to that, but I'm just going to give two. Two things I want us to think about. Two things, two reasons we need to hear this story. First, number one, this chapter fixes our mind on the other holy war. This chapter fixes our mind on the other holy war. I mentioned that there are only two holy wars. You you have this one, which is really just part of the the holy war that God wages against the, the Canaanites as He's bringing His people into the promised land. This is blessing for the people of God, but it is also judgment on the people who have been living in Canaan. So it is it is judgment on those people because of their sin. And so that's the first holy war The second one, the one to come, is when Jesus Christ returns and He executes judgment. He will gather to Himself all who have trusted in Him. All all who have seen that they are just like the Midianites. We are just like the Midianites. We deserve the horrifying wrath of God. That would be justice for us. That's what we deserve. But, but then for those of us who have, who have seen that by God's grace that we have, we have believed that Jesus Christ died the death that we deserve, He was blasted with the holy anger of God for our sin so that we wouldn't have to be. And we've taken refuge in Him. We've believed that He has saved us. For all those who have believed the gospel of Jesus Christ, when Jesus returns to execute judgment on the unbelievers, we, we will be safe. We will be gathered to Him. But He will wage war against His enemies, against those who have rejected Him. 
I pray this morning that you have trusted Christ as your Savior. Please see Jesus as your only hope to be forgiven for your sins. What He did on the cross is the only way your sins can be paid for. The only way that you will will be excused. That you will be safe. That you will find refuge when God's wrath comes down. This, This chapter here is horrifying. It's horrifying. If you have, if you're like me, you, you've got some questions about this. But by God's grace, if we, if we have been convinced by the Spirit of God that God is always good, I hope that's your story this morning. I hope that you have humbled yourself by God's grace under just the sovereignty and the wisdom and the goodness of God and, and, and His mind. And you've said, my mind doesn't have to fit everything together. I don't have to be able to put every piece together because I believe God has and He is always good. So if you can believe that God is always good and if you can believe that His Word is always true... So I don't want my daughter to go to college and have to, and have to jettison one of those two things. Alright, either I stop believing that God is always good, or I stop believing that His Word is always true. I don't want her to have to, to have to leave one of those truths behind. I want her to be able to grab onto both of those, hold onto both of them. And sometimes that means that we're left with some sidebar questions that we don't have the answers to. But we just trust God is always good. His Word is always true. And if we humble ourselves under those two truths this morning, we see God hates sin. That's what this is about. And, and this chapter fixes our mind on the holy war to come. It helps us. It helps us to be patient. God's, God's patience will one day run out. And until it does, we can trust in in His wisdom. We don't have to fix everything. We can be patient and trust God. God will bring the end. He will bring the world to to a very fitting end at a very fitting time. He will. So it helps us to be patient, but it also helps us to be urgent with the gospel message. We, we, we say to people, come to Jesus. Come ye sinners. Come to Jesus. The only fitness that Jesus requires is that you understand you need Him. That's all you have to have. You're a, a sense of need. Come to Jesus before it's too late. This helps us to keep our mind on what matters, not get bogged down and weighed down with the things of this world. This helps us to guard our hearts from the sin that so easily, so quickly deceives us. This this chapter, these kinds of stories help us to keep our minds fixed on the holy war to come. And then, then second, this chapter makes us thankful for the Gospel. I've... uh, I've preached a bunch of sermons, and I know you can't tell. I'm still not, you know, good at it or anything, but I have preached, I've had a lot of practice, and, and, and maybe it's just the kind of practice I'm getting. I don't know. But anyhow, I've preached a lot of sermons, and I've preached through a lot of books now of the Bible. I've got a few books I'd love to go back. I've preached through First Peter like years ago. I'm so happy we're doing that on Wednesday nights because I get to, I get to get another shot at it. So I just, I love it. Um, and, and I looked at my notes. I was like, ah, I'm scrapping all those, starting over. I can't wait. It's great. Love it. 
And I, and so, and so you preach through books and then you start to get some favorite passages. Right? And, and, and so when I do weddings or funerals or, or if, if some idiot somewhere wants me to come guest speak, I'll, I have passages that I love to, 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 to sermons that I love to, to get out of the filing cabinet and, and to, to preach again because I just love those passages. They're so comforting. And I, and I know that when, like, my wife or children are struggling or when I'm encouraging someone at church, there are just these great verses in the Bible. All things work together for good. Greater is He that is in you. He will complete the good work He's begun in you. His yoke is easy. His burden is light. He is preparing a place for you. He will come again and bring you to Himself. You will be with Him forever. He will wipe away every tear from your eye. He's he's the God of all comfort. Peace that passes all understanding. I love those. Those are great, right? I know that when my wife is discouraged... I, I, I'm, I know enough about being a husband that probably the best thing isn't to put my arm around her and say, hey, remember when God wiped out the Midianites in Numbers 31? <laughs> Buck up, little camper. Like, I, <laughs> I, I, that wouldn't be a great idea. I haven't tried it yet, but I'm probably not going to. I, but we do need to hear it. When we come to Numbers 31 in our Bible reading, when it comes up in the, in, the, in the sermon series, we need to hear it and we need to remember. We need to remember because, because on one level, we, we know how wonderful the Gospel is because we just hear it in Jesus when He says, Come to Me, My yoke is easy. My burden is light. Come to Me, all you who are heavy laden. Come to Me. I will give you rest. You drink from this water, you will never thirst again. And so we hear that, and it's wonderful, but then you also hear how wonderful the Gospel is when you see in Numbers 31 how much God hates our sin. We cannot understand how much God loves us in Christ if we don't understand how much God hates our sin. So let's not look away from passages like this. Let's not downplay them. Let's not say, oh, the narrator was probably just exaggerating there. This is a war story. This is not, this is not, no, this was, no. Let's not go down that road. Let's believe the word of God. Let's see the fierce wrath of God against the sin of the Midianites. Because that's how we start to see what we deserve for our sin. And when we start to see how, what we deserve for our sin, we see what Christ endured to save us. Once we get a really good handle on God's wrath against sin, we start to get a, a, a much better handle on all that Christ endured in order to save us. And we start to say more and more and more, Hallelujah! What a Savior! Let's pray together. God, we thank You for Your love for us and we thank You for every chapter of the Bible. And we know that it's, they're here because You want us to hear them. We believe that. You want us to read them. You want us to wrestle with them. You want us to either be encouraged by them or you want us to be humbled and thankful. You you want to do work in us. So we pray that by Your Spirit You would do that today. In Christ's name, Amen.